Welcome to today's episode of Let Me Be Brief. I am your co-host, Andy Rieger of J. Rieger & Co., joined as always by my drinking buddy and co-host, Matt Basinger mm-hmm. of Small Spark. We're in the Let It Fly Media Studios, and today's episode is proudly brought to you by M-Prize Bank. Our guest this episode is a little bit different of a path. He's a funny guy. He's a stand-up comedian here in Kansas City. <laughs> Welcome to the studio, Jaron Myers. Thank you so much. Yeah. Are you going to rub his back the whole time? Yes. Or? Yeah, that is. That's how this goes. It's a feature well, of the show. Well, he usually rubs mine, <laughs> you guys are so just it's my turn. It just depends bros. on who's, who's feeling down at any given time. Bros being and, bros. You, know, you he, love it. He has dominated the first 40 seconds of the podcast, and so it's a support uh, system. when I'm overstepping him, I'll make sure to give the shoulder <sighs> so squeezes. Good. There you go. Yep. Um, Jaren, like, I, I think... Folks probably understand what a stand-up comedian is on a limited sure. sense and that you stand up and you do comedy. Yeah. Um, but my guess is that it is not quite that simple. Uh, yeah. T- but like, so the softball question, what what do you do? But like, tell me a little more, right? Like what is do that I, fair? Are you asking like what I do during the week? Like, uh, what do you... Like, how do you make a business out this? of being a stand-up comedian? Sure, sure. So uh, you're... Independent contractor, um, and but the work is not like people think you get on stage and you're just like, here's a thought that I have. It's funny. They don't know that you spend a lot of time. Like I got a ten minute story in my show that I was trying to do uh, about like rabbits, and then I changed the word to possum one time, and it crushed. And so they don't know the technical work that goes into writing and then um and then as far as like making it a business obviously social media is a really big part of that now you used to be able to just go to comedy clubs and do shows and now you have to like be a brand or whatever it's it's so annoying (laughs) it really is like you have to like you got to do social media and we do a podcast as well and so there's a lot of different um work things you got to do for it how did you like were you just always the funny guy and then at some point you're like i'm gonna do this on state like how did um, you even make this transition into well i flunked out of college okay uh it's always a good start yep and uh so did i did you though because i saw you graduate well i did yeah i uh, walked at a graduation do you know that story no um just bought a cap and gown got in line got my name called you can do it in any major state school apparently <laughs> um bought the cap and gown from the bookstore from the president of the school Sold it to me for $38. Anyway, not he sold it to me. I, it was on sale. It wasn't like Technically, he, was, he did. Yeah, I was, I'm saying like he wasn't out dealing cap and gowns on the side <laughs> is what I mean. <laughs> he sold it to me at the bookstore. Could be anyway, a good business. Like, hey, you don't got to pay for a full degree, but, you know, hey, 38 bucks for a cap and gown show up Saturday at Honestly, though, because there's people who have reached out and been like, my parents don't know I dropped out. And I'm like, hey, you give me a certain amount of money. I'll help you solve that problem. <laughs> it only costs you 38 bucks to help them solve the problem. Yes. But they don't know that. What size of cap and gown do you need to get anyway um so i flunked out of college and i had written some funny songs so i was working at subway and i was leading worship at churches and like church camps and all that stuff um and then all of a sudden the church called and was like hey you did this funny song at camp last year would you come do that for our valentine's banquet um they're like we'll give you 200 dollars and a hotel room you know and i was like uh yeah i will do that and so uh i was 19 did my first ever comedy show did like three funny songs and it went so well that now uh almost 10 years later here we are so my my question for the listeners is how is it that what are your sources of money how do you make money you talked about social media Mm -hmm. uh we talked about stand-ups what you know where is it that you really how am i making yeah like 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 if someone wants to be a stand-up comedian and they're looking at this you know, everyone sees what's on the sure. surface, but really the business of it and how you make it work 
yeah. coming to the end. How is that? Yeah. So when you're first starting, you're not making anything, obviously, as with a lot of businesses. Um, but oh. yeah, I mean, <laughs> and I was dumb. I was 19. So I was driving out to Colorado, getting paid in chicken wings, and I just put that gas on a credit card, you know, and so I racked up quite a bill. Um, you got points. No, I wasn't smart enough. Uh, <laughs> just a regular old commerce card. And I was like, well, I don't know how to use this effectively. Anyway, um, now I do. But um, yeah, so I get paid. You negotiate your rate with whatever comedy club is booking you. I do private events, corporate things a lot. And so, um, you know, you just negotiate whatever they're going to pay to come do your half hour, one hour gig, whatever it's going to be. Um, and so you just get paid for showing up and doing that. Uh, but then other streams of income would be uh, social media. Obviously, I get paid for um, like YouTube ad revenue. Uh, but also once you grow your social media to a certain level, I get paid like uh, a cereal brand reaches out and they're like, Hey, would you post us on your story for 600 bucks? You know, and you're like, yeah, of course. And so, uh, they send you free cereal and then, uh, you get hooked on that cereal and you buy all of it. So you spend all the money they paid you on that cereal. Do they approach you in that scenario or do you go out to brands because comedians so, share, hey, here are all the brands that are paying right now. So there's a lot of influencer marketing that is approaching you. Um, but then there's also the side where you just reach out to brands that you're already using. And so for me, I, I ended up with, I have like 100,000 followers on Instagram, right? And so uh, I've got a community that I've built of people who follow what I'm doing. Uh, and so it's natural for me to be like, hey, this is the suitcase I use on the road. And so then I'll reach out to that suitcase company and be like, hey, I already use this product love it a lot, would love to talk about what that might look like to share that with my followers. And so there's a little proactiveness in it, but a lot of times I'm getting a lot of DMs um, or emails from brands that are like, hey, we've already got an influencer campaign that we're running and we think you'd be a good fit for. Um, and so it's a little bit of both, um, but they all like there's a the influencer industry is an entire different that I'm barely in. Like I'm primarily stand up and then I just happen to have good social media following. So I've dipped my toe into it, but they, it's a, I mean, billions of dollars in influencer stuff that they're, they've got whole agencies that are just reaching out to it's the new form of marketing. Well, and they're interested in what's interesting about it to me. I wish I would have known earlier is that they're actually more interested in people who have like 10 to 25,000 followers instead of people who like I wouldn't, I'm not like a macro influencer by any means. Those are the people who have millions, but I do have, I have a hundred thousand and I've got a blue check mark. So anything I post is almost assumed that it's a sponsored thing. And so they want those, the, the mom who runs an Instagram account, um, who just posts about the things that are making her life easier as a mom. That is what a, uh, new car seat company is looking to use that person to sell their seats. So you know? have you thought about starting an account as a mom who is using car seats? So I have a girlfriend <laughs> who is a pretty girl and congratulations. Um, thank you. Yeah, that was, I really wanted to bring that up. I'm like, I'm, we made it like uh, seven minutes in and uh, you're, you're, you're singing her <laughs> so praises all before the, the show. whole time. I've been sitting here being like, how do I bring up my pretty girlfriend? Uh, no, but I am going to start, I've been running her social media um, to use her as an influencer, not as a mom influencer yet. Mm -hmm. Uh, but one day, you know, um, I've thought about there's that's, it's pretty time consuming. It's not, sure. um, because you, a lot of people don't understand the effort that goes into these people aren't just taking a picture and posting it. Like they are doing their makeup and hair and they are putting on all the outfits that they've got and they're going to different locations. They're doing all these photo shoots basically. And then they're just sparsing that content out over 
several weeks or I mean, whatever. It's, it's very it's curated a, and planned. It's a business. It's right? a strategy, right? So, so let's go back in time just a little bit. You started when you were 19. Uh, yeah. You are funny. You have a couple songs. You start making some money. You mm-hmm. start kind of pouring into that. You're still working another job in the yep. meantime. Was there like a tipping point where you realized, oh, this can be my primary income? And I think in addition to that, uh, you mentioned, you know, we talk about people reaching out to you, but there's another level, like you're working with other people who right. are helping schedule things on your behalf now. Is that accurate? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I have a management team now. So how do we get from there? Yeah, to the, yeah. yeah for sure. Um, and so, yeah, it's a long process. There's a couple things that fell into place for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but also once I started to figure out social media, which I think I, I started to do in 2016, 2017, I kind of started to realize what was going to get views versus just, I hope this gets views, if that makes sense. And that was all trial and error on my part of like, this worked, this didn't, what made this work that didn't make this work. Mm-hmm. And so I became a nerd who had like a spreadsheet and I tracked all my social media engagement of like, this video did not hit, this one did, or this premise, this joke and this video, I just reformatted it and did it here and it hit better in this format. So I became like a nerd, very analytical, almost to the point where sometimes it became like, oh, I don't enjoy this anymore because I was over analyzing it. But anyway, um, so I did a Chick-fil-A rap video that went viral in 2017. And this is how we met, by the and way. And this is how we met. Yeah, because yeah. I was working at Chick-fil-A. <laughs> and so, and he pulls to the drive-thru and was like, you're the guy from the video. For sure. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Nope. And just leans out the vehicle into almost into the I, Chick-fil-A. I pulled up. I just got back from a trip and he was at the in the Northland, right? Mm-hmm. And I just had just seen the video and I was like, oh my, are you the guy? Yeah. And, he, and Jaren just goes, I'm the guy. I'm the guy. <laughs> but anyway, so, sorry. So well, it had just come out. Yeah. And yeah. that was that was and that's what I mean is that I had trial and errored my way into figuring out, okay, there are certain things that are gonna hit harder on social media. And a well produced music video about a very well liked brand was one of those. And so I spent months writing this thing, making it the best that it could be. Um rewriting it, I produced a whole song and then I was like, I hate this, let's redo it. Um, And so it took from like March to when we released in November, that whole year to put out that music video. And so um, that goes viral and it got a lot more opportunities. I honestly thought, because 2017 viral was like, that was it, that was the peak, right? And so people were launching entire careers off of viral videos. And so I was like, oh, now I'm set. Uh, and was not. And so <laughs> still had to Uber drive, still had to work at Chick-fil-A for a little bit. Uh, and then um, it would just be kind of became, it, it gave me more leverage though, whenever I would get booked for a thing. It gave me a lot more opportunities for sure. Did I close all those opportunities? Absolutely not. I wish I did. But, because um, I still was figuring this out. I didn't have the, the knowledge of asking for help until almost two years after that. Hmm. So 2019 is when I finally was, I started to approach management things because I always thought, oh, once I get enough things, then they'll come to me. Sure. Uh, and I was just kind of waiting. And now I realize I should have reached out two years earlier. So let's talk about that then right. for a second. So, so you have a management company that mm-hmm. is a third party. They're not employees of yours. You're still the independent contractor. Right. You're like a model where they manage your yeah. bookings, do they manage the finances and everything and then they're receiving the money and then just remitting it to you based on your contract with them? That's an option that, that they have. Our our, our uh, contract is set up so that the deposit amount goes straight to them and that's their commission. And then uh, when I get to the gig, the, they just pay me the 
remaining balance. Got it. And so, uh, but they have, they, you know, that's typically an agency will take between 15 and 30%, depending on what you negotiate, where you're at, you know, how much those deals are or whatever. Um, but yeah, they're in Nashville and they, uh, they have twofold. There's an agency and a management. Agency is responsible for hunting gigs. They go out and they pitch you and they say, hey, you know, this is, we're going to put stuff on your calendar. Management is more like I send them a video and I go, hey, do you think this is uh, good or bad? And they go, I don't think this is consistent with the voice that you've been having on social media, like kind of brand overseeing kind of things. Um, but also like they have way more connections than I do. So it's like, I want to get connected with this kind of company. It's much more beneficial to have a third party person reach out. This is something I didn't mention earlier though. I used to just sign my emails, Emily. I made up a fictitious person who did all my booking for me. And so I would just, cause, cause someone's gotta be the bad guy. I didn't want to be the bad guy and be like, no, I can't come all the way to New Hampshire for $150. Like I'm going to lose $600 on travel, you know? But Emily could say that. <laughs> so, um, so I would I would sign emails and just say, yeah, sorry, that's not an option for us right now. Signed Emily. Um, but yeah, I reached out to a couple different management companies and was like, hey, I'm getting a lot more opportunities and I don't know, like I said, I didn't close all those deals, the opportunities that came from people following me online that I was like, oh my gosh, this person follows me. But I didn't know how to use that to leverage anything further. Um, or I do a lot of churches and a church would get me like, we want to do a show. And I was like, great, let me figure out how to, and I would just miss emails, miss. And so I, I was having trouble managing all of that. Now there is a tipping point where I went to them in 2018 and I said, hey, here's what I've got. I'm getting a lot of opportunities. Do you think it's a right fit to work together? And they passed on me and they said, we don't want to work with you until it's too much for you to handle. So right now it just looks like you're not organized and that's why these things are following through. It doesn't look like it's you're organized and the system is busting. And I was like, that is harsh, but fair feedback. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I got organized and then whenever the seams were busting and I couldn't keep up with everything, that's when they were like, okay, now it makes sense for us to step in. And so they basically remove all of the business element from you so yeah. that you can focus on content. They're not helping you with content creation other than providing right. a backboard for and that's only if I ask them to do that. Yeah. But, and but so they're just taking all the business element away from you so that if someone sends you an email for an inquiry, you just forward, it, forward to them, it. Yep. And then you just get to continue content mm -hmm. writing. So how does that work when you're working with a cereal company who's going to give you cereal? Like, are they giving you money and cereal so, or are, like, are you, are you still in the mode where you're doing any trades per se or are you? Doing, oh no. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, and, that? and that's dangerous to do, uh, if you're going to do social media trades mm -hmm. because, um, there's just a little gray area on what's expected and then what the results are. If there's a money transaction, that is a service that I'm providing you. Yep. Um, if it's a trade, it's, it starts to become this like, depending on the amount of item that they give you, a lot of influencers go on these very expensive vacations for free, uh, not realizing that they have to report the, the market cost of that vacation as income. Taxes. Yes. Taxes. So you end up having to pay for that $10,000 vacation they gave you. You got to pay two grand on that just for anyway um what with my man it was going to be an empty room oh but it was just going to be empty you know and all i had to do is go to this timeshare meeting uh and so <laughs> but my management will read the contract just to make sure that i'm not getting hosed sure that's their role in that yeah. so they take a percentage of um what i make there but that's that's their main role is just making sure that i don't sign anything that compromises the rest of my business um, and also just making sure that it's consistent with my values. I have one last no, question ahead. on yep. my end. Yep. 
when you see, you know, Netflix has brought forward the stand-up yeah. comedies to a whole new light. Mm-hmm. You can watch anybody from any background get on Netflix. Some, obviously, the Dave Chappelle's are making whatever, $20 million right. for an hour-long stand-up, and I'm sure that some of the other people are making down to a hundred grand or something like right. that. How long does it take to prepare for a stand-up that's an hour long? Uh, it depends. Um, you, it's it's almost like any practice. You get faster at it um, the longer you've been doing it. So I would say for my first hour, I recorded a, a special in 2018. That hour took me about four years to write. Um, I have since, between then, turned over almost two new hours of stuff. So in the same time, four years ago is when I recorded my first one, I've written you know, double the amount of jokes um, or amount of content. The way I view it is basically like a big pie. And so you've got your hour, right? And that's the pie. And then once you record it, you're like, that is baked, it is done. And so now you just take a slice out and now you've got a five minute, 10 minute gap that you then fill with a new story. You're still doing, when you're out on the road, you're still doing all that other stuff. And then you just slice by slice. So you don't just be like, I recorded it, now I'm gonna go out and wing it until I have a new hour. You've got your set, and then you take a chunk out, put something new in, and it's just a constant recycling of recycling. That's probably not the right word. It's fine. Cycling, you know, I think just cycling. cycling. Cycling is what yeah. I meant, yeah. A I mean, constant recycling, a but con- you're changing from bunnies to yes. possums. Con- yeah. Yes, well, I mean, a constant cycle of, you know, I have this Waffle House bit, I'm gonna try not doing at this show. And that's a discipline too, is being like, I'm really good at that. I know it'll work, but I need to try something new. Like I have to, cause you could go out and do the same hour forever. There are comics who have been running the same hour since the nineties, you know? Um, but it, that's not fun to me. <laughs> or yeah. once you film it and everyone's seen it, then everyone's seen it. It's, you, you can't retell a joke. Musicians, you can go out, hear the song, and be like, the hits, you know? But you go to a comedy show and you see, like, you go hear Jim Gaffigan tell his Hot Pocket bit. You're like, well, I know how this one ends. It, it was ruined funny. my life. Well, it was funny the first few times you've seen it, but then you go, okay, <laughs> now I know the joke. I know what's coming. So yeah. I need to hear something new. So it's different. Uh, it's almost like, honestly, when I watched Jimmy Fallon during the pandemic, when he <laughs> was at his house doing with you know, pretty much a webcam and he was doing the show, he wasn't funny. Oh really? And and it was it was brutal to watch, but it, it's just there's so no much, audience laughing. There's no there's, audience laughing. There wasn't mm-hmm. a co-host. There wasn't a band. There weren't sound effects. It was right. just a person talking. And I remember saying to my wife, like, I don't think I really want to watch Jimmy Fallon anymore because I didn't realize he wasn't funny. It was just all about what was around him. And I, I'm sure some of that translates to if you have a good audience one day. Yeah. You can be the funniest person. Oh, they've there's ever people seen. who come to some of my shows, and, and if they're you have a like, terrible that guy, audience, you could have literally everyone being like, "That was not funny at or all." Or a terrible setup. There's been plenty of times. I did a show in Indiana a couple weeks ago where uh, they had a mechanical bull before the show started. Uh, it was on the gym floor, so mechanical bull, big inflatable course, whatever. And I'm doing the show against the bleachers. It's a big community event. So after everything's shut down, everyone's on the bleachers. They've got me set up on the gym floor facing them to do this comedy show. And about 15 minutes in, I see everyone's eyes looking to my left. And I'm like, what is everyone looking at? And I turn around and the guy is tearing down the mechanical bull. <laughs> and he's pushing this mechanical bull across the gym floor. And so it's that thing where it's like, if someone sat through this. So I had to sit there and we had to be like, all right, let's just watch him, I guess. you know. Mm-hmm. But 
any momentum was killed. There was no way to. So there's probably a bunch of people in Indiana who were like, that guy just wasn't funny. You, you should have been funnier. Jaren. Well, that's what I'm saying, though, is that it's yeah. like there's some times where it's the situation is not allowing for you to do it. And um, anyway, we got we got to start wrapping up. Yeah. But where for our for our listeners who are not yet familiar with you, sure. where can we find you online yeah. on TV? Et cetera? Uh, I've got Instagram and TikTok. Mm-hmm. All my stuff is at Jaron Myers, J-A-R-O-N-M-Y-E-R-S. Um, and I've got two Amazon Prime specials that you can watch. So if you're a fan of comedy, you can watch those. Awesome. We're, we're way over time, but I have one more question. Other than your job, which mm-hmm. is a weird mixture because you're whatever. What's the coolest thing you've ever done? Not work-related. Oh, uh, I flew a plane the other day. I'm getting my pilot's license right cool. now. Really, yeah, that's what I'm working on. Um, and I thought that I was going for like an intro flight where they take you up and they're like, why don't you hold on to the steering wheel? You know, like a kid. Like, why don't you <laughs> hold on to it and feel how it feels? And that's what I was fully planning on. And I was like, this is gonna be fun. Uh, and then we're on the ground and he's like, all right, well, you steer this thing with your feet, you know? He's like, give it a little throttle. And like, he's just coaching you through taking off. And you've never been, never been in a plane this small before. A prop plane? Yeah. And I was like, what the heck is, why am I doing this? You're, you do this part. Oh man. And so we're, we're up and I'm, I mean, I'm white knuckled. My hands are sweaty. I have never, oh, that was, it was terrible. I but it. I can't wait to do it again. Congrats. Cool experience. Yeah. I'm very excited. Did you jump out of the plane? Uh, no. no. <laughs> Next. Good. Jaron, on behalf of Emprise Bank, uh, Let It Fly Media, the J. Rieger & Co. Distillery, and Swell Spark, man, it's been so fun to get to know you over the last couple of years. It's been so fun to see how your career continues to grow. And uh, for our listeners, you need to go see Jaron perform in person because it is fantastic. So thank Coming you for up. spending time on our show today. Thank you. I'll see you at the office. 